0: Let the word go the challenge,
1: the opportunity to connect. The 1960s, a time of imagination and change, a time of anger and fear. The 1960s is a pioneering program called Challenge. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. That looked at our connections, our divisions, through the lens of shared values. Was real. Sixty years later, we examine our divisions, our connections, our shared pains and successes in a new program called Challenge 2.0. A threat to the abundance of salmon runs in the Northwest seemed inconceivable in 1855. That was the year Washington Territory Governor Isaac Stevens completed treaty negotiations with Northwest Native Americans. Defined as contracts between sovereign nations, the treaties mandated the removal of native peoples from their traditional lands to reservations. Those contracts also guaranteed the continued ability to hunt, fish, and gather food beyond those lands. In fact, reservation lands were far smaller than the properties given to timber companies alone. Negotiation tactics were said to be such that they would make a traveling peddler blush. New settlers to the territory cashed in on the bountiful runs of salmon. Fish traps built and owned by whites were just one pressure that led to diminishing runs. Just 40 years after the treaties were signed, Indian fishing accounted for less than 5% of what was termed the harvest. Increased logging and soil runoff from now barren slopes damaged salmon reproduction. And by 1935, the development of commercial fishing fleets claimed 90% of the catch. The share caught by Native Americans was then less than 2%. We are standing at the confluence of the Snake and Columbia Rivers. Together, the basins formed by these rivers were once the greatest salmon habitat in the world, but no longer. Just as native fish are facing major threats pushing them to the edge of extinction, so there are threats facing what are called the people of the salmon, the Yakima, the Nez Perce, the Umatilla, and the Warm Springs. Last week, we began a conversation looking at the threats they face and some necessary solutions they believe could help. So as we carried forth in our discussion from last week, we were talking toward the end about the importance of salmon uh, to the Nez Perce and the various other tribes in this salmon and Columbia River Basin and also the obligations of that. And So we are very fortunate to again have with us uh, Shannon Wheeler, the tribal chair of the Nez Perce. Uh, Shannon, thank you for joining us again. Well, I appreciate being here. It's just a, a thrill
0: to be able to talk about uh, the issues that we're facing and the fight that we're in.
1: So perhaps some orientation for those that perhaps didn't catch all of last week's program. Give us a sense of context of what the salmon mean to the Nez Perce and the various other parties here in the Columbia and Snake River basins.
0: Well, you know what what uh, Lewis and Clark found here was a Garden of Eden, and uh, you know the. Keystone species like salmon that have helped create that and mm-hmm. helped uh, uh, mold what this place looks like and what it actually is and what it can produce is a big part of that. And and our relationship to the salmon dates back to our creation and our creation story, where the salmon have had given himself to us and uh, then would lose his voice once he gave himself to us, and then it was up to us to be the become the voice. Mm-hmm. And as we think about that, you know, that's that the covenant that we have, and it's an ancient covenant that our people have passed on from generation to generation, and uh, we take that uh, obligation and commitment uh, to heart.
1: And when you talk about generation to generation, uh, many of us that are non-Indigenous residents of this area count our history in the United States in this area, perhaps five, six generations. You said archaeological evidence points a much longer timeline for your people. Yeah, the uh Cooper's Ferry site that is
0: uh 16,500 years old mm-hmm. uh is a um, and it could have went they could have went deeper into the uh, site but that's they stopped there it was Oregon State University mm-hmm. that did that research and uh, you know to date us like that uh is something that uh some of our stories go back uh to the great floods and mm-hmm. uh there's high points that we have that where our people went uh, during the great floods and understood about uh, that conversation. So those stories are still out there that uh, speak the you know the time that uh, and points in history, the geological history of the Pacific Northwest, and so we
1: can also date ourselves to our our stories that we have that way. If we fast forward uh, to the point where we ended up getting settlers coming into this area. Eventually, there were the treaties that were developed, uh, and that's a big topic of itself. But in any case, the treaty agreements provided uh, or put several obligations on the U.S. government with assurances to the Nez Perce and the other tribes. What were some of the key elements of those, particularly as they relate to salmon? Well, under Article III, uh, the
0: obligation uh, for the United States is to continue uh, to uphold our obligation mm-hmm. to the salmon. And so our obligation is to be the voice and and uh, but we're also able to interact in the way that we're supposed to uh, with, according to Tamalwit, the unwritten laws of, mm-hmm. of our people. And that interaction uh, um, calls for us to uh, be on the ground, to be in the water mm-hmm. and to uh, Uh, do the things that we do in order to uh, continue a way of life that is under article three that is so important to uh, that existing relationship uh, then and now.
1: Mm -hmm. Because of a lack of follow through on those obligations uh, it's been necessary uh, for the various tribes in this area to initiate legal action against the US government and that's been going on uh, for some time but there's a pause in that now. Uh, and I understand that was arrived at relatively recently. Could you tell me a little bit more about that? What are some of the key elements of that?
0: Well, I think the, the basis of it is that we look at the um, uh, federal government as a sovereign as a partner mm-hmm. and uh, as I'd mentioned uh, in the pre- previous episode that you know we view ourselves in an obverse relationship with the United States on on one side of the coin uh, the United States if you flip the coin over mm-hmm. the nest purse, but it's minted of the same and so that was once again that was in a mutual agreement to come together to uh, develop a mutual benefit mm-hmm. and uh, to prevent burden from happening to either sovereign. And so with that coming together, there was commitments that were made to one another and long-term commitments that mm-hmm. are in perpetuity. And, uh, uh, you know, we were uh, reserving rights and we were granting rights. And so uh, by doing that, you know, we give up 13.2 million acres so that we could retain these rights and and continue this way of life Mm -hmm. and so that sits in the in the constitution now and so to the rule of law once again that we we are all obligated to the constitution and as we look at this relationship with the united states we look at it as a friendly relationship Mm -hmm. and we should be at the table solving the problems we should Mm -hmm. be coming together the courtroom is a is a last result to say we really need some attention here we really need to resolve these issues and if we have to have a court uh, um, interpret what needs to what needs to happen then uh, that's the place we need to go. It's not where we want to be right. because it's not where we initially started this conversation. We initially started this conversation at the at the treaty grounds, mm-hmm. and and that's how we resolve the issues then, and that's how we should resolve the issues today. And if something that you're doing, the United States, that's burdening the tribe, then it's up to us to tell you about it as your federal partner. Mm-hmm. And and so when we come to the table and we say that. Our salmon runs have been decimated to the point of extinction, some extirpated already. We need to do something about that. The system that was put in is burdening us. Mm-hmm. It's burdening these salmon runs. We need to sit down together at the table, resolve these issues. You need to take the necessary actions to resolve these issues. That what you're doing on your side of the coin is affecting us. Mm-hmm. And so, is that our responsibility to fix? No, our responsibility is let, to let you know that you're burdening us. And so the United States, the, this administration, the Biden-Harris administration, takes that obligation serious. And, mm-hmm. and we're thankful for that. We're thankful that they've come forward and, and said, hey, you know, there's something going on here that ain't right. There is an obligation. We mm-hmm. do have an obligation we need to uphold our obligations to tribal nations across these lands and in particular and in this case uh, um, the columbia river tribes that have lost uh, several salmon runs and are on the brink of losing several more Mm -hmm. uh, we need to come together and we need to talk about this and what can we do to help Help the change, and thankful for mm-hmm. Governor Inslee and Senator Murray for completing that study uh, that Jim Kramer had done uh, and identified. You know the replacement services that uh, would have to happen in order for breaching to be considered.
1: Mm-hmm. So, what are some of the key elements that have moved this back out of the courtroom and more toward the negotiation or conference table?
0: Well, you know, I. I of look back towards congressman simpson mike simpson the Mm -hmm. uh representative from the state of idaho that has made you know dam breaching uh you're able to say that now Mm -hmm. you're able to say dam breaching why because he said 25 30 years ago (laughs) it'll never happen Mm -hmm. we have to try everything else before we go to dam breaching and now he said we've tried everything else Mm -hmm. there's only one thing that we can do now to save the salmon—that is, breach the dams. Mm-hmm. But we also have to continue to make the Pacific Northwest whole, uh, and and its entities that are out here—the stakeholders like irrigation, mm-hmm. like you know the transportation, uh, agriculture, energy—they all need to. We all need to grow that, regardless. And if we can, if we can take the experience that we've ha- that we have, the technologies that we have and put those to use in a place that's going to uh, be able to transform the Pacific Northwest to become a river environmentally friendly place Mm -hmm. that's going to uh, help the salmon recover and therefore help the orca and then help the complete river system, whether it's steelhead and lamprey as well, then we need to do that because we're obligated to that. And so thankful for the Biden administration
1: to... Step to actually step up. So one of the elements of that I understand is clean energy production from alternative sources other than hydropower. Uh, exactly what's being looked at or what's being developed there? Well, you know, as we look at the different
0: technologies that are here currently mm-hmm. and the different technologies that are emerging, uh, of course, the Nsprs were. Uh, we've done some solar deployment, battery deployment, mm-hmm. and uh, we're we're understanding that that can actually happen Mm -hmm. Uh, and we're looking at uh, how we can do that at at a larger scale. Uh, Of course you know several places around the country are doing big things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Former administrator of BPA Elliot Mainzer went to California and uh, produced 7,000 megawatts of solar power and 5,000 megawatts of battery storage in three years. In three years, he did that. Mm -hmm. But uh, here in the Pacific Northwest, they didn't do that. But so it's, you can do it. And, uh, you know, we're looking at the new technologies like, you know, hydrogen cells, the next uh, Mm -hmm. generation uh, battery cell. There's just, it's growing by leaps and bounds and opportunities that are out there to get us off of fossil fuels and environmental
1: unfriendly uh, systems like the hydro system, which kills fish. And wouldn't there be a potential for the Nez Perce and your neighboring tribes, uh, the Yakima, the Umatilla, uh, the Warm Springs, to also be major players in clean energy production under part of this agreement?
0: I think energy sovereignty is a big thing for tribal nations, mm-hmm. uh, uh, in particular uh, here in the Northwest, as as you know we're looking to try to uh, help uh, resolve the problems, and you know we. We don't want to be the problem, we want to we want to help solve the problem. Mm-hmm. And so, if there's an opportunity for us to uh, uh, develop and deploy any type of renewable energies, well, we're in. And we want to take those
1: technologies and utilize them in a way that's going to uh, help the planet. Is there an element of gamble uh, for the tribes here in this agreement or this stay of the legal action? Certainly, because it comes down to a vote of Congress to uh,
0: Authorized breaching uh, Mm -hmm. and for you know for breaching to occur Uh, You know, so we look at uh, You know Upgrading the system whether it's irrigation upgrading roads bridges highways uh, The energy grid all of these things that are looking to change the Pacific Northwest we, we still those things still have to be in place and uh, Congress needs to take the actions uh, once they see those things in place that, yeah, we can, we can, tra- we can transition into renewable energies and uh, re- re- remove the earthen portions of these dams, mm-hmm. breach these dams, and uh, then save the salmon at the same time without missing a step here in the Pacific
1: Northwest. Right. Now, part of the element is also a change in the way water is spilled over the dams. What are some of the pluses and minuses of that in terms of the health of salmon runs in this area? Well, high spill, of
0: course, is uh, what's best to convert a river from a lake to some remnants of a free-flowing river. Mm -hmm. So that high spill actually helps. the out migration of the juvenile smolts and and so we're looking at the different times that uh, these juvenile smolts are running down uh, running the river and so we have the spring runoff uh, that has uh, the spring fish running uh, down down the river system mm-hmm. then we have our summer and fall um uh, regimes of spill that are are made to help those uh, species now you know, as we look at uh, the different uh, runs, of course, the uh, the spring the spring fish uh, in this agreement have a little more spill, mm-hmm. so that's a good thing. And uh, but the summer run is those are rolled back, and so those fish runs have actually been growing, and that's kind of more the more healthy of the fish runs. Mm-hmm. So we you know we we kind of take a we take a gamble there that. Um, these fish runs are healthy enough to sustain the amount of time it's going to take to replace irrigation transportation and energy uh... to be able to allow for breaching and Mm -hmm. we're hoping and we're going to monitor that really close that's one of our our key things is that monitoring uh... these fish runs and in counting those numbers are truly
1: important for us to determine how long we're going to stay in this, liti- uh, this stay of litigation. I was going to ask you, you do have the option to go ahead and go back to litigation if you see that these are not doing what they need to do. Exactly. And that's
0: kind of our, you know, our safety valve that we have. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think it's the, the federal government understood that, that uh, you know, in order to uh, uphold uh, their obligation, uh, we also need to have uh, um, some certainties as well. You know, uh, people always want certainties. Public utility districts definitely want certainties yes, in their affordability and reliability of power. But, you know, once again, the fish, uh, um, we
1: need some type of certainty that they're not going to go extinct. I think you had a recent conference uh west of the Cascades uh, at the Tulalip uh, uh, conference center and did that give you added hope that there are more groups that are signing on and recognizing the importance of salmon and the importance of addressing treaty obligations yeah I think there is there's a uh,
0: we've, we feel a lot of momentum uh, growing in the understanding of uh, what ESA means, mm-hmm. uh, what treaties mean, what those obligations mean to the to the environment, and and I think uh, tribes coming together, get, getting an understanding of one another, and how we've all been affected by mm-hmm. this system that has been put in, and you know we talk about health, we talk about the economics, we talk about the spirituality, the the cultural aspects of how we've been affected and impacted over the last 80 years of the uh, since the inception of dams and then we uh, then we look at the uh, non-governmental organizations that are out there fighting for clean water fighting for you know the environment trees birds Mm -hmm. uh, aquatic species Uh, we all have something in common that you know we're trying to restore a healthy place and build a healthy place for the future uh, as we continue to uh get deeper and deeper into the climate crisis uh um, there's a there's a deep understanding with one another that we do have these things that are uh in common with one another that uh, we can stand together and actually uh make change mm-hmm. we can we can affect change and and so there's other groups too there's uh several evangelistic groups out there that have supported, you know, our Covenant of the Salmon uh, mm-hmm. film and, and said, hey, we want to support uh, what is happening here. The chefs of Seattle, uh, mm-hmm. the bishops of Seattle, uh, all of them that have come forward uh, with letters of support for breaching the lower Snake River dams because of the humanitarian uh, the humanitarian reasons I guess right.
1: are, uh, for humanity I guess is uh, the word that I was looking for. We look at, I think the question comes up to, will breaching the dams make a difference? And we've seen examples already that that is the case. We look at the Elwha River. Uh, and the dams in place there, and once they breached that, that has been quite a success story, hasn't it? Yes. Yeah, and, uh, you know, getting to
0: actually see those results and uh, see those nations like uh, uh, the lower Elwha tribe uh, being there harvesting and being on the landscape again and just... You know, seeing them at different meetings and, and getting to talk with them and, and, you know, what it's doing for their people and what it's doing for the landscape itself mm-hmm. is, is certainly something that uh, we find comfort in, that we know the direction that we're going is truly the correct
1: and, and right direction to be uh, walking in. Uh, is there already at work some planning for how you would restore the system?
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, um, something that has been happening. Uh, you know, some of the science is a little beyond me, but I think, uh, you know, understanding what would what's there, mm-hmm. uh, what was there before will
1: come back again. If we were to look at the alternative, if there were to be continued uh, extinctions uh, and loss of salmon here in the Pacific Northwest, uh, how would you define that kind of future, not only for the Nez Perce and the indigenous peoples, but also for the Northwest at large.
0: I think that's a sad future. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That really is a sad future for, you know, the species themselves that had nothing to do with their demise, Mm -hmm. nothing to do with what they have done is is killing them. And, and so, you know, if we're not doing something about that, At least we're fighting, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. at least we're trying to uh, get the point across that change needs to happen. It needs to happen soon. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the really difficult part is that, you know, some people that are, uh, um, you know, their interests lie somewhere else. And so they're unwilling to change. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even at the cost of life, they're unwilling to change. Uh, That's where we look to the will of people mm-hmm. and the will of commitment here if we really truly want to change and save the salmon change the system we actually need to grow the will
1: mm-hmm.
0: and and in order to grow the will you have to make some small changes here and there and i think you know as we look at uh, a future without we really don't want to face that sadness. Mm
1: -hmm. As you look at the future, uh, at the recent uh, climate conference that was held in the Middle East, uh, one of the very influential people that spoke is a diplomat from Costa Rica and she said, I think we have our focus set in the wrong direction of what this is going to cost us, the energy that it's going to cause us to have to redirect, but she said that we can look at the advances that are being made in energy and science uh... and say that this could lead to a future for our children and our children's children that we can't even anticipate how much better that could be does that sense of hope inform you and if so how
0: yeah i think the uh... cop 28 of course uh... talking to some people are actually there Mm -hmm. too and hearing the remarks that were coming out of out of cop 28 you know there's it gives great hope that uh energy is is on a cusp of changing to something mm-hmm. better and will continue to advance so that's for the whole planet that's you know that's changing for the whole planet I mean we're not going to Mars anytime soon we're not going to the moon anytime soon I mean you know like Al Gore said you know keep your eye on the prize mm-hmm. and when he said that it was a a, a, a photo of of the blue planet from right. space. And that always caught me, you know, that always, you know, keep your eye on the prize. The prize is where we're at, mm-hmm. uh, not where we're going to. The prize is here, so we have to take care of it. And if you're keeping your eye on that, you're gonna do the right things, necessary things, that is going to be able to hold that and cradle that still. Mm-hmm. So if there was a, if you can imagine a mother holding the earth as a child, as, a, as an infant, then that's really what we need to be doing as human beings. We need to stop doing the things that we're doing. Well, maybe not stop, but change the way that we're
1: doing things and really cradle the earth in that fashion. I can think of no better way to conclude our conversation. Thank you very much, Shannon, and we'll hope for good results to come out of this latest stage that you're taking. Thank you, too, Jeff. Appreciate it. And thank you very much for tuning into this episode of Challenge 2.0. We hope you'll join us again next week. If you've enjoyed this program, found our conversations to be informative, entertaining, and thought-provoking, and the vision inspiring of people from different backgrounds who can disagree without being disagreeable, perhaps you might consider supporting our program with a contribution. Your support will not only help our program continue, it will also support the broader efforts of Paths to Understanding, our supporting parent nonprofit organization.